All I expected was just to walk through the canyon and mark it off a bucket list. And then God met me. That canyon, the experience in the canyon, was like the catalyst for a change in my marriage, in our family, in our business. And it was all because we said yes, and he said, okay, let's do more. And he kept saying, we have, I have more for you, just keep walking with me. Rim to Him is our outdoor fundraising event where we train people to cross the Grand Canyon in one day. We had nine weeks worth of training. We also had nine weeks of soul care, which was amazing. And we also got to have small groups with other people that were doing the Rim to Him. And it was very planned out and it was just like there was so much trust in it that we knew the Revelation Wellness had done this and they'd done it well and we could just trust the process. I just think without doing Ram to Him, I wouldn't have the peace I have. I just know that God met me in the canyon and like it was so clear, like I'm here. I will give you the grace you need for each day. I'm not gonna leave you. If you're concerned about the hike, don't be concerned about the hike <laughs> because there are people around you that are gonna just support you. Mm -hmm. God created all of this expansive, incredible canyon, and He made you, like for a unique purpose. And there's no one like you, and so you gotta come. Just don't quit, it's so worth it, who you become on the other side of the canyon. Come join us as we cross the Grand Canyon in one day to find out that love is always greater than fear. Sign up today. Hello friends, my name is Katrina Canfield. I'm the Executive Director of Communications with Rev and what you just heard was our Rim to Him promo video. And I am super excited to announce that signups are officially open for our fall 2021 Rim to Him hike. Now, just like so many things last year because of COVID, Rim to Him was one of those things that we had to cancel. So we are so excited that in this season, we are able to provide this opportunity to hike the Grand Canyon in one day. Now, I've never done Rim to Him personally, but I've been working for Rev and experiencing Rev long enough to, to have heard so many stories of how God literally meets people in the Grand Canyon. Stories of transformation, of power, of growth, of freedom. And so if God is nudging your heart, especially in this season where we've all all been indoors and socially isolated more and just feeling that need for an adventure, I encourage you click the link in the show notes to find out more. This is the adventure of a lifetime. God is going to meet you in the canyon. And now I get to announce our special podcast guest today. Elisa is interviewing Jennifer Allwood. Now, when I heard that we got Jennifer on the podcast, I was so excited. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. Jen is a Christian businesswoman, social media expert, online entrepreneur. She spurs women on to follow God in their calling despite their fear. And she's gonna talk about her brand new book, Fear is not the boss of you. And come on, what better tie-in to what we do with Rev, talking about love being greater than fear. And I remember on one of Jen's podcasts, I heard her say, don't let fear keep you from your calling. So 
So she's gonna have so many great nuggets of truth for you guys today. I hope this is a blessing to you. Share this podcast with a friend and we're just so excited that you're here. We'll see you next time. Peace. All right, friends of Revelation Wellness, I get to introduce you to a new friend today. Maybe not new for some of you because a lot of you have actually said, you need to have Jennifer Allwood on your show. You guys have been asking. So today I have to ring the bell. Jennifer is here. Jennifer Allwood, welcome to Revelation Wellness Podcast. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. That's super sweet that people would um, would suggest me to you. I'm okay. honored. So I'm well, excited. I, th- I think they see some kindred spirits in us in terms of, um, I always say, I have a saying, don't tell me your dream unless you want me to hold you accountable to it. Like it's really hard uh, yeah. for mm-hmm. me to watch people walk around. But I was listening to one of your podcasts today, or maybe it was a YouTube talking about how you also you don't want to be responsible for pushing people and motivating people to have to go do it. Like that's something that we've got to, they, people have to learn to fire that up inside of them. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's plenty of people we can go to for motivation, mm. but um, I, so, you know, motivation is like cheerleading, um, which is great. We all need cheerleaders. Right. But sure. I feel like what God's called me to is to move them from feeling motivated to action. Come and on. so that's, that's my lane. Like, um, it's fine that you feel motivated, but are you actually going to, <laughs> to right. do something with that motivation? Because I can feel motivated, you know, to stop eating sugar, but just sit there at night and continue with my bag of M&M. So motivation isn't a game changer. Yep. Um, action is. And so that's the lane that I feel like I'm called to is helping women go from just feeling like doing something to actually, okay, so our, like hold them to the fire. So now what are you going to actually do? How are you going to actually put this dream in motion? What steps are you actually going to take? How are you going to quit being your own, you know, worst um, nightmare here in terms of talking yourself out of things? So that's the lane that I know that I'm called to. And um, so it's, yeah, there's some motivation, but it's more just calling them into action. So good. that. And again, I would say the same thing. Yeah, so I don't I tell me a dream unless you want me to hold you accountable. Yes, like, what exactly. are we going to do with that? We're yeah. going to talk yep. about the same thing. So you guys, Jennifer has written a book called Fear is Not the Boss of You. It's such a beautiful cover too, I have to say. And you look Thank beautiful. you. Well, pink is your I'll, color. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. I love pink. And, um, you know, and I, I don't think that we like made this intentional decision. Like, let's, you know, make sure pink is in all of our branding on all of our websites. It's just that I wear a lot of pink. Um, I have pink in my home. We have four kids, um, two of them, teenage boys. They don't care. My husband doesn't care. Um, you know, and so I just, I'm drawn to pink. I always say women are either pink or red, like very rarely are they both. I never meet women. And the reason I say this, I used actually used to own a decorative painting company in Kansas city, like did faux finishing for years and years and years. We were on extreme home makeover many times. I got to work with Ty Pennington many times. It was very cool. And so in my work with like designers and houses, women either decorated with one or the other, and they were Mm -hmm. either drawn in their wardrobe to one or the other. Uh Um, And so I've always just been drawn to pink. We, I, so I live in Kansas city where the chiefs were just in the Super Bowl, it was a horrible showing, by the way. <laughs> I'm not a football fan, but still. But anyway, so yeah. when it comes time, you know, for a Chiefs football game, I'm like, I have zero red. I literally had to go oh, out that's the street right. and buy okay. a red sweatshirt because I own 15 pink things, but not <laughs> even one red. So. <laughs> so yes. So thank you for saying that about the cover. It was not actually our intention really to put me on the front of the cover. It was kind of, um, we went the traditional publishing route with the book, meaning I had four book offers from different publishing houses and um, signed with Sondervan, who's the largest Christian publisher yeah. you know, in the United States. Normally they don't put your face on a book unless you have like a huge name. Now I've got yeah. a decent social media following, yeah. but, um, but compared to other people whose faces are on the front of their books, 
you know, it's, yeah. it's tiny <laughs> by comparison yeah. to my following. And so, but we yeah. actually, um, we ran a contest. Don't tell anybody, Elisa. We ran a contest oh, yeah. um, to see like different people. Like we gave them a whole bunch of photos and also said, you know, make something up of your own to see who could design a book cover for me. And I just kept coming back to that one. And Zondervan, after a little bit of negotiation said yes. And so there you go. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. <laughs> That's how so that came about. Tell us, what was the reason for this? Is this your first book, first of all? It is my first book, yes. So I wrote a book of, so in my day job, what I actually do for a living is I coach women how to build a business online. So um, I started my painting company back in the year 2000, which doesn't sound like that long ago until I say that was 21 years ago. And then I, you know, I want to throw up a little, like, good Lord, where has the decades gone? So I started this decorative painting company and it was going really well. And then we got pregnant with Noah and I was trying to figure out how do I, how do I keep the income mm-hmm. coming in, but mm-hmm. stay home full time with my kids. And so I figured out if I had other women come paint for me, like they would go paint for me during the day. And I would just try to like drum up business while I sat yeah. at home and, you know, changed poopy diapers. And that worked really well for several years. And then Facebook happened and Oof. Instagram happened. And that was a game changer for my business because yes, then I could get, yeah, on social media and promote my painting company. And, um, and so that was, you know, fabulous. And our business really exploded because I was good at social media. So in the last, you know, five, six, seven years, people have asked me to teach them how to build their Facebook following. How do I build my Instagram? How do I build my Pinterest? And so I've started doing that, mm-hmm. um, which is business coaching. Right. And so when, when I was approached to write a book, I was approached to write a book. Do you want to write a book about like all of your DIY and painting projects? Cause that's what you did for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I don't really think so. And then mm-hmm. my agent was like, okay, so do you want to write a book about business coaching? Cause that's what you do. I, I literally coach thousands of women every month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think so. And she was like, are you sure? Because like, I feel like, you know, you have a lot of content for that book after years of coaching. I'm like, that's not it either. And so literally we kind of had to go round and round in terms of if I was to die today, yeah. what would be the one thing that I yep. feel like I could leave here that I would be proud of, my children would be proud of, and that mm-hmm. would actually not just motivate, but help women like take action. And mm-hmm. when we started talking about that and we started talking about, okay, what what makes me a good business coach? What is it that makes me different from other business coaches? Because mm. um, there's a lot of them, in case you don't know that. There are a oh, ton. Yes, there uh, are. And I'm, oh, yes. I'm sure like in your industry, you think the same thing. Like there's tons of people tons doing of what you're doing. wellness, fitness, right. telling right. you stuff. So, yeah. But what makes you different than the rest of them? Well, what makes me different in business coaching is I bring my love of Jesus into my coaching, not in a like um. hitting you over the head with the Bible, not in, a, in every single day I'm bringing up scriptures, but in a, um, hey, look, if God's given you an idea for a business yeah. or a dream, for a business, like girl, you, you better be doing that. And yeah. here's what scripture says about that. No, oh, by the way, your kids are watching you do that. Yeah. And so there's expectations that God has of you on this side of heaven. And yeah. so, you know, I understand that you might not think you're ready. That you might not think you know enough that you might not think it's perfect timing, but chop, chop girl, you've got uh-huh. stuff to do. And yeah. so that's what the book is. Ah, <laughs> that that's is what exactly. I feel like I do the best. So even if you're not a woman that's in business, Um, but there's still like dreams in your heart or things that you're wanting to do, or you're wanting to write your own book or do your own triathlon, which I talk about how God kind of tricked me into doing a triathlon. Yeah. So we, I want you to share that story. (laughs) Yes. Let's do that. Come on. Our our audience is very interested in that. Well, so, um, 
you know, I, I don't, I've never considered myself necessarily an athlete. I played high school sports. I was raised in a really small community in Iowa. So I played softball. I played volleyball. I played all the things. Um, but I wasn't like good enough, you know, necessarily to do college or anything. But um, after I had Noah, our oldest son, you know, when I was in, I was 30 when I had him, um, I kind of started to jog and things just to try to take off baby weight. And, um, and then we, you know, just kept having one baby after another. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, by my middle thirties, I was like, okay, and now I think we're done popping out children. And I really need to kind of take off, you know, this weight. And so started running with a bunch of girlfriends and, um, did a half marathon, did a second half marathon and hurt my IT band. And I don't know if you've ever struggled. Oh girl, you are. Yes. I did triathlons and it was my IT band as well. Okay. Well, so I hurt my IT band in, you know, a 13 mile half marathon and, um, and it kind of crushed me because I felt a lot of pride off the fact that I was, you know, I was able to run having never been a runner. It felt Mm. good to me. Like, you know, 39 years old and doing well mm. running. And, um, but then, you know, when your it band, it's, it's a hard injury to like permanently heal. Let me just yeah. say that. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. So, so I found that anytime I would try to run after that, I could only get up to a couple miles and then it would start hurting and I'd have to walk and, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't worth it. Well, I had a friend that asked me, um, I was 39. It was a summer of being 39. It was my birthday weekend in July. She asked me to go watch a girl she knew compete in a triathlon in Kansas City. And I was like, sure, I'll go. And it's not because I cared about the triathlon. It's just that when you have a lot of small kids, sometimes like anybody gives you an offer for anything and you're like, yes, I'm there. We're going <laughs> like, destination. Yes, I've been yeah. home full time with three screaming children all week. Please, yes, I'll go to a triathlon. So triathlons are really early in the morning. You know, they usually yeah. start by 7 a.m. and we had to drive to this lake. So we got up and left early and we go. And her friend that competed in the triathlon was not a woman that you would think of that I would have thought of as a woman that would be doing a triathlon. I was expecting her to look a certain way. I mean, shame on me. Right. Mm. And so, but I just remember looking at her going good for her. Like she Mm. doesn't have, you know, an athlete's body. Um, Mm. she was in spandex and, and was okay with that. That's right. And, and I remember watching, cause so you swim. So a triathlon goes in the order of how you could most potentially die. So <laughs> swimming, true, most risky. Yes. It is, right. Water. So you swim first and then you Get bike the and then the you water. run because <laughs> you know, they don't want you yeah. to drown. That's so so I remember, you, I've never thought about that, but you're right. It goes from less risky, risky because like drowning, yes. that's pretty rough. Drowning and, is the and highest. Yeah. Moving in a high speed bicycle, getting bicycle, and then you have the least chance of dying yeah, when you're just falling down. Yes, exactly. That is funny. I've never so, thought of that. There was 800 women in this triathlon in this lake. And so we, um, and they kind of separate you based on how fast you think you're going to run or uh, race. And so like all the fast swimmers were immediately, you know, and I remember one of the first girls to come out of the water was like a 13 year old girl. And I'm like, they even let 13 year olds compete. Like what the heck? No, if we're going to have a triathlon for middle-aged women, like we need to keep it middle-aged women, you know, because this 13 year old just blowing past everybody, but I'm watching all these women jump in and I see right at the very end, there's this little old lady. I would have guessed her to be 73, 75 and she's in her one piece swimsuit. And I watch her like gingerly kind of like step into the lake and she puts on a snorkel and she starts to swim. And I'm like, and I could just get teary just thinking about it because I thought, good Lord. I mean, she could be home knitting. She could be like, there's a million things she could be doing. I wonder what's inside of her. I don't know inside of me. That's, that's making her go, you know what? I think I want to do a triathlon today in my seventies. So, and the crowd was going nuts. Like the woman gets out of the water, you know, 20 minutes later after her swim or whatever, and we're all cheering and she can't run to her bike like everybody else, but she, you know, goes as fast as her 70 something year old legs would take her. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting all teary thinking, 
holy smokes, like we've got, you know, a 13 year old competing. And we have this woman that for all practical purposes did not have the body shape of an athlete. You know, she was, she was heavier and she just didn't look like, you know, what I thought a triathlete would look like. And we've got a woman in their seventies and I'm looking at myself going, I'm in reasonably good shape. Like, why am I not out there? And then I remembered, oh yeah, because I can't swim. Okay. And so that was like a, oh yeah, Jen, you're 39. Remember you've never been in water without plugging your nose. And, but I like, I had this like whole internal conversation in my head that day. Well, maybe I could learn how to swim. Well, that's ridiculous. You're 39. Well, when are you going to learn how to swim? Well, I don't know, but I really don't want to make the time to swim, but you've got three kids and you know, like, you ever done that thing Yeah. where you're like, you're, you know, yeah. you're like talking yourself into something and then out. And I left that day going, okay, I wonder if I could do a triathlon. Like I'm going to turn 40 this weekend next year. And they have this triathlon every Oh, come year. on. On the Set same up. weekend. Set I thought, what would happen if I did a triathlon? I mean, that seems dumb and lame, but um, I'm not a party girl. I did plenty of that, you know, in college. So it's not nice. like I'm going to go to Vegas for my 40th. So <laughs> maybe I'll do a triathlon. So I thought, well, let me ask a couple of my friends. And I have a couple of my friends that I did the half marathons with who, you know, were like, college, um, trainers. And one of them was, um, is still a fitness instructor, my friend Shauna. And I thought, like, let me just ask like this group of girls. Cause it's always more fun to do a group of girls. I mean, always. your people know that, you know, always. Community. you can like, get yeah. kind of your crew together. So I had like eight girls that are like, I'll do a triathlon with you next year for your birthday. So then I had to hire a swim instructor. My friend Shauna would take me to, you know, the gym and I had to learn how to swim, which was really emotional. How was that? Yeah. It's horrible. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be 39 and you've never put your head underwater? Like a huge thing to over talk about fear. Fear is is not the boss of you. Like you lived this so much in the book because it, um, sometimes fears are, they're crippling almost, you know what I mean? And like, I wouldn't get in the shower and like, I come from a really long line of snorters where I just get in the shower and just instinctively like snort water. And (laughs) so I wouldn't even like to get my face wet in any capacity. It wasn't just that I couldn't swim. Mm. It was that I hated water hitting my face in any way. Mm -hmm. So that makes swimming like a normal human being. Yeah. you know, a challenge. And so it took me a year to get to the point where I was comfortable enough to swim in a lake where I couldn't see the bottom. That's a whole nother. Yeah. Goop everywhere. Let's be honest. I live There's in Kansas goop. city, goose poops a thing. And, you know, and so, um, it took a whole year of, of doing that, but I just, I, it was one of those things I just knew in my knower, at least that like God wanted me to do it but I didn't know why. It was like, there wasn't Mm -hmm. really a logical explanation. Mm -hmm. This took time Mm -hmm. away from my husband. It took time away from my kids, but it was really cool because like the today show with Matt Lauer picked it up. They sent um, a news crew to our home and they, they showed, um, you know, me training. And then they took us out to the lake, me and my girlfriends. And so I was literally on the morning show in spandex. And that's a whole, that's a whole new level, by the way, a whole new level of fighting um, fear. Yeah. Yeah. And they ran a segment on it locally here in Kansas city. And so that was a lot of fun. And I ended up doing that triathlon. And then um, I'm getting ready to turn 50. I have done 10 triathlons in total. I still have a very insane fear of swimming. We have a pool in our backyard and I not one time this year put my head underwater in my own pool. So it's, um, so it's interesting, right? Like I learned how to swim and I can swim, but it's still not something I want to do, but I've forced myself to do nine other triathlons just to continue proving to myself, you will not die. You will not die. That's you right. will not die. You remember you've done it seven other times. You're not going to die this time. Like, and, um, and God really has used that of just proving to myself that I can do stuff that I'm scared of and not die. Yes. And he's, and it's, and he's taken that lesson and he's using it in so many different areas of my life right now. Like our business, my coaching business in the last couple of years has exploded. I just had a big article in Forbes magazine about nice 
it was online on Forbes of how my business has exploded to multi-millions every year. And, but that the same thing had to happen. I, that required me for my business to grow this much in the last few years to do things that I was really scared of, yeah. but just reminding myself, okay, I've done scar- scary things before and That's not right. died. Like this won't kill me either. Yep. And, um, we've yeah. adopted a little girl after having three biological children, we waited literally eight years. And I was like, thinking we were way done, you know, trying to adopt, but we adopted a four-year-old girl last year. And, um, well, she's six now, but we adopted her. Um, we've had her now for two and a half years, but we got her when Mm -hmm. she was four and, and still like, that's a scary thing when you're Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I am back to homework folders at the age of 48. Like I've got a kindergartner and a college student, like Lord, are you sure? So, so that lesson of the triathlon of disciplining my body, of disciplining my mind, Mm -hmm. of, um, of just proving to myself that I've got a history now of doing hard things and I can mm-hmm. do hard things and they won't kill me has shown mm-hmm. up in so many other areas of my life. So I'm forever grateful that my friend Christy asked me to go the triathlon forever that. grateful that I feel like God kind of tricked me because, you know, I went and then it, it started this like chain effect of doing a lot of other scary things in my life. But, um, but I'm so glad because I think also what I didn't know at 39 is I'd kind of lost myself in motherhood a little bit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'd kind of forgotten who I was a little bit before I was a mom and before mm-hmm. I was a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd kind of gotten into the mundane and I'd kind of forgotten to dream a little bit yeah. and, um, and we just kind of doing the next right thing and the next right thing. And it kind of yeah. woke me up on the inside. And well, um, let's talk about that for someone who's listening, who maybe feels that kind of numb, like they think they get on board with, you know, reading the word of God and it calls in these promises and it, it, it tends to, you know, call us higher or it does call us higher, but then we kind of fall back into a pattern of the day to day. Yeah. What can, what would you tell that person? Yeah. So one of the first chapters um, in fear is not the boss of you uh, tells a story of how I was. Um, so since I've been in business for a long time and I'm a huge proponent of having a coach in like lots of different areas of your mm-hmm. life when sometimes when you need it and then other times when you don't even know you need it. I just, you know, I think all of us need somebody to kind of help mm-hmm. draw them higher and see mm-hmm. the possibilities. And so um, I've had a business coach for many years and I was had a one-on-one call with my coach, you know, I was paying her to coach me years ago. And I remember her saying, and she was a Christian woman, um, thank goodness, because she said, Jennifer, before we got on the call, I asked the Lord what um, to talk about today. And the Holy Spirit said, ask her, um, what is it that she wants? Mm. And so when my coach asked me, what is it that you want? I literally sat there frozen on the phone with her. And this was um, probably, I would say six or seven years ago. So I'd probably done my first triathlon, you know, at that point for sure. And I was like, I, like, what, what do you mean? Like, what do you want? Like, do I want a new car? And she's like, no, like, what is it that you're wanting out of life? And I'm like, mm. well, I, I don't know. And then I felt really kind of frustrated internally because I'm like, I, that feels like a really big question. Mm-hmm. And right now we've got a lot of kids and we've got mm-hmm. a mortgage to make. And I, I don't know what I want out of life. Like, I don't, I don't really know what you're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. I talk about in the book, how I was, um, I was raised in a pretty strict household with lots of expectations and I've always considered myself an SRP, which I call a super responsible person. (laughs) And so, and I always tell people, if you're an SRP, like send me a message on Instagram. I love meeting fellow super responsible people. And if you are one, you know it. If you're like, what is that? Then just skip over this part. So super responsible people. Like I bought my first home when I was 21 because I'm super responsible. And in my head, I'm like, rent is dumb. 
Like I'll just buy a house. I'll work Mm -hmm. 14 jobs to have enough money to make sure I buy something at 21 when all my friends are still out doing quarter shots. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) super responsible people, like you have life insurance policies in place well before you need it. You, you kind of, you set yourself up. You just, you do the right thing because it's the right thing. Like you just, you kind of, what Enneagram are you? I'm a three. Yeah. As you say, okay. Through and through and through. I'm an Enneagram three. And so, um, so I felt like when she asked me, you know, the, what is it that I want? I'm like, well, I don't know that I can ask myself that even because it feels like I'm just supposed to do the next right thing that God keeps putting in front of me. But it kind of started this a little bit of a chain reaction of thinking, well, well, what do I want? Is it even, can I even like go ahead and put that down on paper? Can I even start thinking about it? Um, and then trying to remember, you know, that it's okay for me to still have dreams and also be a really good mom and still have dreams and also want to make sure that my marriage is my highest priority, you know, aside from, of course, my walk with Christ. And so, um, it kind of started me just, it, it almost planted this seed in my soul that kind of just sat and stirred for a little bit of trying to make me think of, okay, like, remember before you had kids, Jen, like, what did you want to do? What did you want your life to look like? Mm. And, you know, I'm a business owner. And so sometimes I think even as business owners, as super responsible people, we mm-hmm. could forget that we, we became a business owner. And I know you've got a lot of coaches and things, you mm-hmm. know, and trainers that are, mm-hmm. it, that are listening. We become our own business owner a lot of times for freedom and flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. So that we're not mm-hmm. working a nine to five and we can yep. kind of do things our way. Yes. But sometimes then our business starts getting a little bit of momentum and a little bit of growth. And we find ourselves being back in the same, like, well, I've got to do all these meetings and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And and I started like, um, even though I'm a super responsible person, I kind of started feeling like on the inside, I was kind of throwing elbows, like, like everything's just kind of feeling like boring and mundane and I need some excitement. And, and I don't want to just have the same life that everybody else has. And, you know, and it's all like, it kind of coincided for me all at once, you know, there was the triathlon and then there was the coach who was like, well, what do you actually want? I mean, you know, you, so you're, you're killing it right now out training every week, like good for you. Mm-hmm. But, but what about business, Jen? What about like money in the bank? Like, have you ever thought about that? And then, you know, that kind of like triggered me to, to, to feel and, and see some weird things. And I think for a long time, I was like, well, you know, a good mom is going to be really super focused on momming. And mm-hmm. so I kind of forgot that it's okay for me to still have some dreams and things that yeah. I want to do. Yeah. Um, do you know who Jamie Ivy is? Is that a hundred percent? Yeah. Yes. Okay. She's amazing. Yeah. She is amazing. She spoke at um, a conference I had a few years ago, but she had this quote on Instagram many years ago. I screenshotted it and she doesn't even remember it, but I'm always reminding her of it. And it basically said, we can't teach our children to be sold out for the gospel if all our children see is us being sold out for them. And that's still like, that still like moves me. And I was like, okay, Lord. All right. So, you know, and so when I really started pressing into what do I want to do, I really want to encourage other women to like start getting into action with whatever God's calling them to do. And so, you know, God's really been walking, you know, me through that. And now I have the honor of coaching, you know, so many women every month, but the book kind of coincides with that. And, um, and so, yeah, life is very different now getting ready to turn 50 than it was that year at 39 and training for my first triathlon. I'm going to be 52. When, when's your birthday? It's July. Okay. I will go before you April 24th. There you go. Yeah. It's been a fun decade. Does, so when you coach some of your women, uh, Mm -hmm. what are the things that you action item for them in terms of 
overcoming their fear? Like what, what are the things you're saying to them to start moving and working on one? I mean, I love that question of what do you want? I'll give you one thing. Okay. So go back to like sixth grade algebra. This is what I tell everybody. When your sixth grade algebra was like 364 is greater than 18. And and you would talk about the greater than equal to and lesser than sign all the time. So what I'm constantly telling women is what is greater than your fear? You've got to figure out for you, not for the girl next to you, not for your sister, not for your neighbor. What to you matters more than fear? Because at every time that you decide Mm. to up-level your life in any sort of way, fear has a, a, a tendency to kind of, you know, slink in and try to disrupt things. And so, um, so what is going to be more important to you than your fear? Because when you can put that on the one side of the greater than, you know, equation, it will make fear less of a factor moving forward. So for me, for instance, obedience to the call of God in my life is my number one priority. And Mm -hmm. I can say that with my lips, but I've got to demonstrate it with my action. Mm -hmm. Faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what the Bible says. So many Mm -hmm. women think that I can just say that God, you, what you want for me is more important than anything else. But, but um, God is not a God of like in action. He's a God of action. He is moving. His word is moving. It is. And so, you know, you're either moving forward or you're moving back. You're either progressing in your walk with God or you're backsliding. It's one or the other. And so, um, and so if God has a, he has a call on every single human's life on this planet, I believe that with everything in me. And so if your number one thing is Lord, whatever you want for me, then, you know, I'll do it. But, but you're in like years of just, you know, going around the same old mountain, Mm -hmm. thinking about the same old thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think God's love language is obedience. Amen. And I think that like, it's such a blessing to him when he scans the earth with his eyes, looking for a girl that'll go, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me, even if I'm scared. So number one on my equation is my obedience to God. Number two is my family. And it's um, there, you know, at this point, my husband's been at home working with me for three years. Um, We've got four children and um, a lifestyle that we are now accustomed to. But also my kids are watching and they're watching how mom builds this and they're watching how mom and dad run this. And um, and our two boys are 19 and 17 now. Like they've made their own um, sneaker flipping business in the last couple of years. So they have like an Instagram account with almost 5,000 followers. My kids are flipping sneakers left and right. And, and would they have maybe done that? Even if mom wasn't building a business, I'm like, maybe, but I think that they've watched their mother, like you don't have to do what everybody else is doing you. And you can, you can do it at 17 and 19. They were Mm -hmm. 17 and 15 when they started, like, um, you know, just because your kids doesn't mean that you can't do some of the same things you see as adults doing, you know, you know, social media better than anybody, you know? And so I've got a family to feed, we've got a mortgage to make. And so I don't know that it matters, you know, next, next month, for instance, we're launching a brand new program. And it would be very easy for me to, to not because it feels scary. It would be very mm-hmm. easy for me to be like, it feels like a lot of work. I don't know. Get into this whole mm. six months of, well, let's write the pros. Let's write the cons. Let's, you know, but I feel like God's, God's like, let's go, let's go. So, you know, mm. and I'm looking at my family and they're depending on mom to go. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? So I can't mm-hmm. like just, so they are more important to me than fear. And the other thing is God's given me, um, he's given me a community. I've got half a million social media followers. I have my own podcast, as you have said, you were binging on it this mm-hmm. week. Yes, I have been. Yes. I appreciate that. And so. When I think that when God, you're, I mean, to whom much is given, much will always be required. That is biblical. That's what the Bible says. So even if, even if we have one follower or even if we don't have a business page, but we have, you know, 500 personal Facebook friends, when other women see us kind of slaying our own dragons, you know, figuring out our own crap. 
Yes. Doing it scared. Doing our own work. Amen. Doing, being obedient to the call of God on mm-hmm. our life, regardless of if we know what we're doing or not. When other mm-hmm. women see that, they cannot help but be inspired. It's true. And so I feel a responsibility to show up well for them. I can't just be all talk and and no show. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so when I look at those three things, okay, so I might be scared. Let's say about, you know, the course next month, for instance. Yeah, I might be scared, but I believe God's got a call in my life and obedience to him is number one. My family is depending on me to put food on the table and I've got a community watching me. Yeah. I, it pretty much scared or not. Yeah. Knocks it all down. Makes it real easy. It does. You know, and the thing is like fear is a feeling and I think women forget this and God actually gave us fear. Um, so that if we stand on the edge of a cliff and we look over, we take a step back. He gave us fear so that if we're standing, looking into the face of a lion, (laughs) you know, we have some wisdom about us. That's right. So fear and wisdom work. Yeah. Right. Fear is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's just Mm -hmm. a feeling. But we can't always trust our feelings because my feeling will often say, hey, Jen, you worked really hard today. Go help yourself out to the Girl Scout cookies in the pantry. (laughs) You know, so our feelings are often like liars. They they really are. And so if we're going to let feelings direct our life, we're never going to end up in the place that we want to be. So we've got to figure out, okay, so if fear is a feeling, then feelings are on one side of the equation. Mm -hmm. What's more important than the feelings? So for me, it's God, it's my family, it's my community. So I try to walk women through that. That comes back to you guys. We're telling you always in the community what's really true. Like what's factually true because feelings will always try to morph themselves to fit whatever uh, negative or um, smaller thought you have. It's there to keep you quote safe. So it'll always put some type of boundaries on you. But when you just look at what is true, that's why God, like, I don't even know how people operate in the world without a, a baseline of who God is because he is true. He yes. know, you know his word tells yes. us who we are. His word tells us that we will have yeah. trouble. We're, we're not surprised by these things. Yes. It puts everything into clarity of, well, I have these things, these feelings, these concerns. Mm-hmm. What if I fail? Blah, blah, blah. But his, that's what's greater. You always go. So yes. back to your, your greater. greatest yeah. is obedience. And um, I think I've, I've heard this once from Jeremy, uh, not Jeremy Camp. Um, it's one of the worship leaders, but he defined worship as whatever pleases God's heart. I'm like, oh, that's, that's so sweet. Like that's I just so want to please good. his heart. That's all. Yeah. In the end, if that's what worship means to you, God, yeah. that's what I want to do. I Jennifer, them. okay. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Can I tell you a we... real quick story yes. from the book? Because Please. it kind of just tags onto what you were just saying. Um, and I talk about it in one of the chapters. I don't remember which one, but um, years ago after we'd had, you know, baby, 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 and I had several miscarriages. So literally I was pregnant five times in six years. And, you know, I tell people I was frumpy and grumpy. I just was, I was frumpy and grumpy. (laughs) And I remember thinking, gosh, my husband's working so many hours and I am frumpy and grumpy. And what if there's another woman? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, there's been different times in life when I really had to work on my vain imagination. Um, But I know that this story is going to land for someone because I rarely tell it other than in the book. So that's why I want to bring it up since God kept bringing it to mind. So I remember I'm driving on 96th street near my house one day. I just picked up my kids from, um, mom's day out and couldn't get a hold of my husband or something who, by the way, is a man of God. So what I was worrying about was not, you know, it wasn't a valid fear, but I remember driving home and I remember thinking, what if he's cheating on me? And I swear to you, it was almost at least like the Holy spirit was sitting in the vehicle with me. And I literally heard in my mind and Jennifer, what if he is? What's the worst thing that would happen? Mm. And I remember I'm driving and now, I, now I'm like white knuckling it because now I'm mad. And I'm like, oh, what, what is the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that could happen is I'm going to divorce his back. And then I heard the Lord say, 
And then what's the worst thing that would happen? And I, you know, I've got my kids in the back seat, and I'm having this whole like back and forth. And by the way, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I just, I'm having this whole conversation with God in my mind. And I'm like, well, then what's the worst thing that would happen? Well, I'm keeping the house because I've decorated this house and I've loved this house. And this is, and, and God's like, okay, so you'd keep the house now. Now what's the worst thing that could happen? And I was like, well, then, well, then we're gonna have to share the kids, and they're gonna have to go to him. Okay, and then what's the worst thing that could happen? And I, and I was like, and everybody's hearts are gonna be broken. And God's like, and then what? Like He kept going down. Right. So the last thing was, and what would happen? You know what? We're probably all going to make it. Would it be horrible? Absolutely. But if Come the on. worst thing that I'm worried about happens, is everything still okay if I'm walking with God? Absolutely. And that was like a really good lesson for me, like literally, you know, in my paint truck with my three kids in the back seat, mm. um, just going through that whole exercise that sometimes right. the things that we worry about, the things we're the most scared of, yeah. that we have the most, we feel the most like triggered by, yep. like, what would happen if you just walked yourself through the whole exercise of, okay, right. what if that did happen? That's right. What would be the worst thing that would happen? And that's sometimes for me really helpful. That's so true. And we, we've said that for women with your, with your body, like when you criticize it, mm-hmm. what, what to even just say, and, and what's so wrong about that? Like just to keep unlayering, is it that yeah. bad? Like what, like, what is the fear behind that? And what is the fear behind that? And what, boom, boom, boom. Okay. It takes it all the way down to then you, all find the you way really down. are standing on. I'm going to, I am loved. I am, yeah, I am I'm going to yes. make it I, and, because that's what hope, faith, and love do. And I'm not alone Amen. And, and all is well with my soul. Amen. Rapid fire questions, Jennifer. Yes. We ask these of all our guests. One, two, three. First one, um, coffee, tea, or kombucha. What's your favorite? McDonald's unsweetened iced tea. <laughs> oh, really? What I want to get on board with kombucha, but I'm like, eh. I do oh. love um, coffee, but I gave up um, favorite creamers years ago. So I just drink my coffee black. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes coffee a lot less fun. Yeah, it is. Um, favorite way to move your body? We know it's not swimming. Um, right now, it's probably on the Peloton. Oh, you have a Peloton too. Yeah. Uh, yeah right I now, do. it's probably on the Peloton. It is yeah. fun. And then p- favorite, like go to the yoga pants that fit you. Like what's the brand that you go, these fit me like second skin? Athleta. Oh, Athleta. I love oh. Athleta too. Yes. I love them for some reason. I don't know. They've got the little pockets. They've got the pockets. I know the pockets are a big deal for me. It's and they need big... to be, you know, I've had lots of kids, so they need to come up higher. They need to hold things tighter. <laughs> Pretty soon we're just going to have them tied up over our heads. Just I know. Like literally, I don't know if you use the visual of this podcast, you know, on YouTube or anything, but I, I every day. Every day, I'm literally in my athletic yoga pants, in <laughs> different right. colors. So I've got business on top, but I've got the party on the bottom That's every right. day. Yes. All right, everyone. Um, would you tell people what you are, our listeners, what you are offering them, and how they can connect with you more? Yeah, sure. I was so honored that you would ask. So I know I referenced my book, "Fear Is Not the Boss of You," quite a bit um, during the podcast, and you were kind enough to ask me about. When did it come out? So it came out last year in April, um, like three weeks after the pandemic hit. We had a 12-city book tour that was canceled. Unfortunately, my book has gone back to number one on Amazon three times, though, in church leadership, which is fabulous. Um, And so if your listeners would like to just have um, the first chapter emailed to them, they can go to Jennifer Allwood, that's my name, dot com slash subscribe, just to subscribe to the first chapter, and we'll email it to you. And the first chapter is all about being stuck. And it just helps you determine if you are a woman who's actually stuck or not. And um, so, yeah, they, they're they welcome to go grab that. And I'd be honored if they did so. And pick up the book on Amazon, you guys. You're going to yeah. love the first chapter. And it's it's a great read, like a girlfriend. I love when I'm, I'm reading a book, it's if my girlfriend's talking straight to me and talking, Appreciate keeping it straight that. and thank real. You. Thank you. All right, Jennifer, thank you for being here today. Thank we'll have you, you back so when you get that. Whatever me. you got going on next, we want to know. 
I appreciate you. Thank you.